activated by... Let's go, Edmonton Oilers fans! What a game! We're back. It's game over. Battle of Alberta edition. We got... Uh, introduce got, yourselves. Got, uh, I'm Peter Klein. I'm Audie. I'm Zach. And I'm Dennis. This is the this is the best. I I couldn't imagine a better outcome. Oh, yeah, honestly, yeah, it was great. This is the best yeah, I've felt since Nashville six one. It's unreal. And we're here live at the pint on white. Guys, make some noise. Thank you. Thank you so much. All the All right, fans finally had something to cheer about tonight. <laughs> And obviously this is game over Edmonton and game over Calgary, but we got to thank our title sponsor, Temperance Spirits. Game over Edmonton is activated by Temperance Spirits. Now, game over Edmonton is your source for the best analysis of the Edmonton Oilers in the 2023-2024 season, but game over Edmonton is also pleased to be uh, the title have our title sponsor, Temperance Spirits, Edmonton's preferred non-alcoholic beverage realtor. Temperance creates a selection of local, craft, non-alcoholic options. You can choose from a selection of beers and wines, mocktails and spirits. We're enjoying it right across the panel right now. We believe that a social lifestyle does not require the consumption of alcohol. And to celebrate Sober October, still a couple days left, you can enjoy 10% off some of our favorite beverages. Let's give a toast to being sober this October. You can find Temperance online at www.temperance-spirits.com or follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Temperance Spirits. And with that, guys, let's cap it off. The Edmonton Oilers win 5-2 in the Heritage Classic. It's almost like we're not two five and one. Yeah, I was gonna say, say someone's <laughs> gonna tell Zach what the what the record is now. Yeah, let's chill the fuck out. Let's calm down here. It was a sick win. Evander Kane played well. Connor McDavid's back healthy, but you know what? We still got a long, big road to climb. Um, I was super sick from what I heard. I was at the game, didn't see much of the game, but um, it, it was a lot of fun. It was a really cool event. Never been to an outdoor game before. Um, it, there was a lot of people there. It felt like there was a lot of people there. Um, Fifty-five thousand. Yeah, it was it was jam packed. But you can tell, even though there was a lot of people there, everyone was really cold. Even when Nickelback came on, the vibes were not as high as they probably should have been. We, were, we had to watch the broadcast, and they only played two songs. Oh, you missed Rockstar. My wife texts me. She's like, I think they just played Rockstar. And I'm like, of yeah. course. They played the only two songs I didn't want to hear. I was stunned they didn't play Burn It to the Ground. That was that was the playoff song. The hype song. Yeah, it was. No, it was pretty. I was a little disappointed. Okay, okay, let's chill out. Let's chill out. I mean, Huberto got an assist, so, you know. That was it. finally scored. Kadri finally scored. that concludes it for the game over Oh, man. But all it took was two five-on-threes and an extra couple power plays. And, hey, you guys got two goals. Yeah, There's did. that. Yeah, we did. Are you trying, trying to make, are you trying trying to make, to make it sting? sting? 400 yeah. chances. So, I mean, like, really capitalizing on the opportunities they're getting, at least. Yeah. Yeah. He got scored on by Vincent DeHarnay. His first NHL goal. I thought it was Evander Kane. Evander Kane's had a pretty rough start to the season, so it's not much better. But I will say, tonight, Evander Kane led the Oilers in game score. I think he had a 70% XG or something. He was unreal. Like, the best game Evander Kane's played in the 
for the Oilers since like the first playoff run, uh, probably against Calgary actually. You know, some of those games uh, when he scored. I think he had a hat trick against Calgary. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, maybe uh, that that sounds about par for the course for the Flames. Yeah. But, but like, hold on. If you if you want to talk about Alberta, right? Like last playoff series. Oh, I would love to talk about Alberta. Keep going, please. <laughs> this paled in comparison to the last playoff series, right? Like it hasn't the, uh, been the same since the last playoff series. Nothing has been the same in Calgary since the last playoff series. Like honestly, that's the battle of Alberta. It blew up your team. Finals. Yeah, yeah, it was. But yeah, it, I mean, I mean, aside from. Uh, it's been it's been pretty boring, lackluster battle of Alberta's battles of uh, Alberta so far. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's I don't see it getting any better for the Flames. But um, oh, what are you what are you pulling up here? Just looking at the money. But not only did the Oilers win the game, they also won the deserved win. Oh, dominant! Yeah, yeah, dominant that's shocking. Yeah, if you watched the first two minutes of the game, I'm sure you could have come to that conclusion uh, on your own. <laughs> Here's the thing, though, okay. right? Like, from from Rip, you could tell that the Oilers didn't want to lose at home. And, I mean, that goes to show, but you, you have this outdoor stadium, 55,000 people in the arena. Like, if there was a time to show up, this would be it. Mm -hmm. And both teams come into this with four game losing streaks. One of them had to get this fifth losing streak. In the beginning, we were saying last show, we were joking, if there was a way for both teams to lose, they would find it out. Oh, yeah. They would they would have a 27 round sh like shootout or something like that. But in the end, right, this was partially I think a, a factor of home team advantage. Just the crowd. There were a lot of jerseys out there that were Calgary-based, yeah. but as soon as that first period, those couple of goals came in, everyone was so deflated wearing a Flames jersey. Once you heard Connor McDavid announced in the starting lineup at the arena, the vibes were so, so different. So, so I drove up here today, and like, I didn't have the best of service on my way up. I don't check my phone. Like, you got to be a responsible driver. Um, it was a jump scare to see when I got here that I had a notification on my phone saying that Connor McDavid was going to be in the lineup tonight. I don't know about you, Peter. I was, uh, I was a little bit worried. Uh, and then I had every right to be once, uh, once the puck finally dropped. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't think it would have mattered. Um, I, on, honestly, it made me feel a little bit better that the Flames were going to lose to Connor McDavid and the Oilers instead of a Connor McDavid less Con uh, Edmonton Oilers. That's just kind of the way it's been going right now for the Flames. So no, like, it would have been easier had he not been in the lineup and also didn't look like he was hindered at all. He was phenomenal tonight yeah. from what we could see on the, the TV broadcast. But no, he was great. Um, but no, I the way Calgary is going at this point, um, that they lost four in a row to teams that didn't have Connor McDavid. So it, it didn't really matter. How, how long was he supposed to be out for? Was it like one to two weeks? Usually the Oilers, they jump and they say day to day. They, a player could be out for a month and a half and they'll just be day to day, day to day, day to day. When he got injured on a Sunday and they said one to two weeks, it was every. It, it didn't matter what any what anyone said. Oh, he might miss a classic. That almost was just to drum up a little drama for the game. There was zero doubt that he was going to miss the game. Obviously, did miss the game, and we saw the result. The Oilers dominated. But again, Connor McDavid was not their best player. 
Kane, Hyman, Nugent Hopkins, Broberg, and DeHarnay, 11 and 7. You take Matias Yanmark out of the lineup, look what happens. He goes from the first line to Purgatory, all of a sudden the Oilers are one of the best teams in the NHL. Dude, Fogel on the first line, and you know what? I thought, really, Kulak has played an incredible season. Like, he's he's never a guy that really comes to mind when you say defensive stalwart, oh, offensive defenseman. He's just a guy. But here's the thing, right? Like, Kulak... He was flying in the past couple of games. You saw him try to push, try to cycle. Like he was really activating a lot. And today, that activation resulted in a goal. Like it was a beautiful one too. Dude, it was unreal. Stony playing Alberta boy. Uh, unreal goal. He's, he's a really mobile skater. And honestly, it kind of surprises me that he doesn't put up more offense than he does because of how exceptional he is when it comes to making breakout passes. And he kind of has the benefit of a low quality of competition playing on that third pairing. Now his partner kind of gets rotated a lot. It's either Broberg, DeHarnay, whoever you know, mix and put whoever in that pairing. But Kulak's been really good. I was really happy to see him get the first goal of the game today. Obviously, I'm sure you guys weren't. Kind of, I, was I was thrilled, thrilled actually. actually. Yeah. yeah, you should have put I a little forgot, money I on I he wasn't the flame anymore. <laughs> But uh, no, I was pretty happy with the way Brett Kulak played. I was really, honestly, I was really happy with the way the entire Oilers defense plays. Once again, an Oilers goalie puts up above a 900 save percentage, they win the game. Very simple. Doesn't matter how many goals they score or whatever. I, I guess besides the Rangers game where they got <laughs> shut out by Jonathan Quick. But, you know. I thought he was unplayable. He, he is. I thought it was a gift last. Uh, I can't. I can't start because I get mad. I can't talk I, I, the, the only game. thing that I'm going to be able to hang my hat on for this game is to be able to dunk on you when I have the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's not a whole lot of chances for either one of us to do that, given how the Flames played tonight. But uh, yeah, we, we're we're going to get our licks in when uh, whenever we can. Yeah, it's it's been funny. Like we're getting around here, getting everything set up. Oilers win five to two, and Zach is still over there yelling about some fucking thing about like a, a referee thing or something along those lines. Like, dude, man, you won the game. We're, we're already like veering off into the path of a rant. The only voice that I could hear for a good chunk of time was this guy bitching and complaining about whatever the hell he was bitching. There was two. There were two ninety-second five-on-threes. Leon Drysdale's penalty was so stupid. Like, come on. Four penalties in a row in the first period. Here's, I get the Oilers are up one nothing. And every time, it's funny enough, when the Oilers walked in on one side, first of all, they had to walk a mile to get to the to get to get the rink entrance. Notice how the refs were walking on the side of the Calgary Flames, and it wasn't even Steve Kazari. It was uh, Graham Skillet or someone else. But anyways, that was a bullshit call. I was very upset when it happened. One second left in the 5-on-3. The Flames score a second later. Obviously, there's no power play, so I was really upset when they scored at the game. But... Uh, you know what? Life is good. I'm. They Oilers win nine. They Oilers will win the Stanley Cup, and probably the next day I'll be bitching about Adam Ernie again. So it doesn't really matter. All all those penalties were doing was giving Edmonton a chance to get a breakaway after two minutes. Because anyone yeah. out of the box would come up with an opportunity. Like for Calgary, the the five on three looked worse than Edmonton's five on four did. And aside from the one goal that really came off of nothing, there was no set play or whatever. It was just a puck thrown on net. Aside from that, the power play looked atrocious. And the defense was getting caught a lot, which led to on-man opportunities and eventually a goal, a very nice goal for uh, for Edmonton. So I thought all the power plays, while it may have felt like a gift at the time, was more just delayed blessings for you guys. Well, and Matthias Janmark, our noted penalty killer, the whole reason he's on the roster for in preseason, despite sucking and being worse than like six guys are in Bakersfield right now. Uh, he's on the roster for penalty killing. They take him out of the lineup, and the penalty kill actually does significantly better than when he's in the lineup. So that was pretty funny. Well, I might be wrong. Again, I was at the game, so I don't have the chance to take a lot of notes. 
Did AJ Greer score for the Flames on the power play? Yeah. Why is AJ Greer on the Flames power play? It's, it's see the rest of the power play. I guess. Is that is that how you guys decide it? Your your power play just coach just picks things from a straw. That's, that's, that's how all the lines are decided these days in Calgary. <laughs> you you put so you grab a you go to your kitchen and you grab your finest blender and you throw all the names in the blender. And you don't put the lid on because that's too that would be too normal. Uh, you press start, you put it on the highest setting, and whatever spits out is what you get. And that's kind of how it's been for the last little while, uh, last couple games in Calgary at least. So like when you when you say the blender though, like here's the thing, right? Calgary is a team that has no real star players. So when when we say like oh the blender's out, we usually talk about oh Mc. McDavid and Drysaddle are back together. They're doing something or other. They're just looking for a winger. Calgary really just has no superstar line, right? That's that's the issue. There's no clear nuclear option for them. The Oilers have a superstar line or two five and one, Dennis. Hold on, we, I just saw a little fedora pop up. Oh, oh we got it. Oh, we're we <laughs> we're, we're finally uh, we're finally full. Welcome. Five, five, fella. five three, but the strength of a guy who's six seven. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. How, how did you, what did you think of the game? You're in the press box tonight. You know what? I like seeing the fact that more than McDavid and, and Drysdale scored. You saw Vidya Arnega's first ever career goal. You saw Kane step up. Guys beyond those stepping up is a major thing for the world. I like seeing that tonight, fellas. This guy, this guy literally just pulled up and just instant, like, incredible analysis. He's just instant analysis. Never, never not working. This guy's the hardest working man in hockey, I swear. I tried. I'm with Dinian. We have like 14 jobs. There's no off switch. Three in the morning, he's watching Aussie Rules football, breaking it down. I, I don't get it. And he's up at 7 to be at Oilers practice. Not that early. Okay. More like 8.30-ish. All right. All right. <laughs> either, either way, we're fully, uh, we're fully united now. We were going to wait a little bit. I'm glad we didn't. But uh, it, it's, good to, it's good to have you here. Thanks for, thanks for finally showing up. Did you, uh, did you leave a nasty review for that Uber driver or what? That was a mess. Well, traffic outside is chaos. It was chaos for a while. My Uber circled. Didn't know where Commonwealth was. I, like, it called me twice. It's like, holy cow. How are you working? I work for Uber. I don't know where a, uh, a stadium is. <laughs> Little did you know, I actually uh, infiltrated your Uber app and and sent you on a wild goose chase uh, to the uh, to to the to, to try to get here. But uh, yeah, not a whole lot to uh, to report. Peter and I were talking before the, before we went live, and we're like, thank God there's going to be three Edmonton guys here that we can talk to with because uh, there's they're they're just going to be carrying this show. There wasn't a whole lot to uh, to report, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, what what can we give like some final-ish thoughts on uh, on the Flames? And I mean, basically, the the extent of the analysis is the Rob Schneider meme of "Oh no, we suck again." Uh, that's basically, what this team has been. But no, like I'm taking notes here, and my my last note was like just quite simply not good enough. Like everything in this hockey game tonight, the Oilers were better than the Flames at, and it was. It was actually a little startling from a flame standpoint to see how much better Edmonton was. Offensively, the puck was moving in the offensive zone and it was dying in the flame zone. Defensively, there were breakdowns nonstop. At least Markstrom, I thought, played very, very well tonight and was again the flame's best player. But it's just it is another game where Calgary was clearly the second best team on the ice and they have 
so long to go. I just listening to, to Avery, it's like, oh, it's nice that, that someone other than McDavid and Drysaddle stepped up. I was like, well, it'd be nice to be picky about who's stepping up for the Calgary Flames. It's it's right it's, now, it's nothing. It's gonna it's gonna eventually get to a point where it's like it's like uh, it's it's nice that someone other than AJ Greer or Dryden Hunt or Sharon Govich or something. That was another thing. So now I'm now I'm Zach and I'm ranting. The, my my first note after Calgary net empty was Dryden Hunt chance and yeah. then dash. What? Why? Why? <laughs> Why is Dryden Hunt out here with the net empty? Do we not have four better options than this right now? Do do we though? I, is there really four better options? I mean, not that no I, I'm not tie for last. Yeah, it's it's Dryden Hunt, and then everybody's on the same level. So it's like, like pick pick your poison. Yeah. The, way, the way you're talking about the team sounds like Daryl Sutter deployment. Like it sounds like nothing has changed. Nothing, nothing has, has changed. changed. That's you're right. Great analysis, Zach. Thank you. Nothing has changed since last year. Nothing is nothing is, like it's not looking like anything's going to change. Um, and and the only difference between now and then was you don't have Daryl Sutter to blame anymore. Yeah. Daryl Sutter's yeah. gone. Yeah, and you don't have Lucic. Yeah, there's no Milan Lucic. There's no Trevor Lewis to to be the scapegoat. There's no there's really no excuse for it anymore. It's it's just the Flames running it back and clearly still not being good enough. Did you, did you think that in 23-24, the Flames' best player would be Nikita Zadorov? <laughs> uh, no. No, quite simply, no. No, I didn't. No, no. Um, yeah, no, there's really no uh, no excuse, I guess. <laughs> I, I, I can't say I'm thoroughly entertained by his quotes in the media. I really love listening to Zadorov talk. And I do think it's very funny when the Calgary Flames struggle. So you know what? Uh, I'm all for what's happening. It's It's been a pretty successful... Important, but the Oilers have been struggling too, so I can't be shitting too much. But it, it is pretty funny. You know, if I'm, if I'm going to be bad, at least you're bad too. If not worse, honestly. So that's better. Because because the thing with Connor McDavid is, like, you, it, you, the Oilers can be one and seven, and you'll just there's always that belief that they're going to go fifteen and one in the next sixteen games, right? And and it feels like I don't know, like every time they play the Flames at some point in the season, that that's kind of the first push to get the ball rolling in the positive direction. Whether it's that playoff series, whether it's this game tonight, because I said last game that like, this is going to be a huge game. If the Oilers lost this game, I honestly would bet that they wouldn't make the playoffs. But this is that game, and you can see them all celebrating on the ice. You can see McDavid doing his interviews with TNT. You can see the smile of his when he said, "I watched an interview with Kyle Dubas." He said. Oh, this feels like the team that won 100 games over the last two years. I don't know what that was the last seven games. I'm sure as hell it was not us. And you can just sense the relief and the, the, the belief in this team. And it does feel like they're going to climb back up the standings. Like, I still, like, if anything, they, they helped me line my pockets because they went from plus like 800 to like plus 1900 now to win the cup. So now is the optimum time to put your bets on the Oilers to win the Stanley Cup. 2 5 and 1, they're not going to be 2 5 and 1 for long. So. You know, I'm looking forward to it. It was a really positive experience all around. So, it's so happy for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're a little joy. It's funny you'd say uh, how important this game was for the Oilers. It likewise it was for the Flames. Um, but before before we came on here and while we were still watching the game, Peter actually said some. Looks at me across the table. He says it feels like. Well, what did you say? It was it was it was when the Flames pulled within one. I was like, this still feels over. And by this, I mean the season. Like it just it, I know it's very doom and gloom for Game Nine, but it feels like it's Game Ninety One of last year because it's just it's a continuation of everything, and it just it doesn't feel like I don't know what turns it around to make it get better. Yeah, I I I don't know I don't what writes the, the ship, but talking about the Flames and their problems last year and 
how everything has seemingly stayed the same. You take we we've beat it to to death. We've talked about how the problem in Daryl Sutter is no longer there, but the every other problem still is. You don't have anything to uh, to blame it on. So it's like, for lack of a better term, nut up or shut up. You gotta you gotta show up and. Uh, Prove everybody wrong that, or, or prove everybody that that Sutter was the problem, and you guys can take it from there. But um, yeah, not not too optimistic right now. Jacqueline Celebrini looks really good. I was when when the Oilers, I was full gloom for me like 48 hours ago. I was watching Macklin Celebrini highlights after they always got shut out by Jonathan Quick. So I was there. Uh, I'm obviously not there anymore. I mean, it's either a hundred percent all the way at the top, or literally in the depths of hell. I, 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 Go big or go home. But. That's the one thing, Zach. With you on Game Over, a show is never boring. Whenever you're hosting, it's always, oh, Zach's on? Turn that on right now. Always with you. I, I was. I, I actually put it in the group chat. I said, I, I don't even want the Flames to win for, for our sake. I wanted the Flames to win so that I could see the most unhinged version yeah. of you on the show that I possibly could. And and we got a little bit, a taste of it before when you were kind of bitching and moaning about whatever you were bitching and moaning about. I don't even know because I'm like, this guy just fucking won five two, and then he's still over here complaining. But uh, yeah, I was I was mostly hoping for the win so that we could have to deal with you after the fact. It's not like the Twitter users that tweet me and go, "Oh, this guy's never happy. This asshole, be happy, yo." Because you know, okay, I like win it. You cup, got right? the win. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah. But like, win a cup with the correct lines and the correct format. Like right now, I get it. This game was sick. But again, we beat the Flames. This isn't like the biggest. True, you're right. Challenge. <laughs> McDavid and Drysaddle cannot be playing together full time like this. Right. This is that, and, that, and this is the thing. You beat the Flames. You got the monkey off your back. Now we keep Dan Mark out of the lineup. Adam Ernie only played three minutes tonight. Three minutes, way too many. Too many. Oh, I could. I can't, I can't watch him play. I don't know. I don't know what he does well. He genuinely sucks at everything. I'd rather watch Dennis play on the fourth line than watch Adam Ernie. Honestly, it's 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 unbelievable. He, it's it's extortion. Like I I don't I don't have any other I don't have any other explanation for how he's on the Edmonton Oilers. But uh, we're, we're clearly we got the ball rolling uphill. You can tell by the ice time discrepancy. Like McDavid and Drysdale were above like 24 minutes each. Kane and Hyman were above like 20 and 21 minutes. Yeah. Eugene Hopkins, and then you have the bottom six, kind of more similar to last year, where it's like Holloway nine minutes, uh, Derek Ryan ten minutes. They kind of need to bring those back right. into a little bit more even. They need to put a little bit more of the faith in the McLeods, the Holloways, the Fogel. But even though Fogel, I thought, played really well today. I thought uh, he was fine. And uh, here's the thing, too, right? Like, Derek Ryan got a point tonight. Like, these are things where you got to get your depth rolling eventually. Mm -hmm. it, it's If you only rely on the nuclear option, like you mentioned, McDavid and Dreisaitl, this team isn't going to go far. Even if you make the playoffs, you're going to be bounced round one, round two. So they need... Again, uh, uh, probably McDavid, Dreisaitl, and then a Ryan Nugent Hopkins or a Ryan McLeod holding their own line. Honestly, Nuge hasn't been that good. He's been he's been okay. He's, you can't really replace Connor McDavid's minutes. You can't replace what he does on the ice. But at the same time, he doesn't look like the normal Nuge. He looked like playoff Nuge from last season. Ryan Nugent Hopkins has never been an exceptional five-on-five -five player. He's always been kind of the main driver on that power play even when mcdavid and dry are both healthy on that power play when you have if ryan nugent hopkins is missing a game for his shoulder injury or whatever the power play drops off significantly he is good at very specific niche things and he in any tops any contender in the nhl ryan nugent hopkins is a top six four 
with that being said, yes, five on five, he does leave, uh, I'd say, a little bit to be desired uh, in terms of his production. But tonight, the five on five goals are four to one. The Oilers were getting, like, they were playing bad, but the Oilers were getting their goaltending outside of Nashville and New York, which they got shut out, was not good. And, they, you know, they see you see some good goaltending tonight, but they were also getting PDO to help. Like, their the save percentage sucked. They were shooting, like, 4% or 5%. That is going to climb when you have the talent on this roster. So there was always reasons to be optimistic about the Oilers, despite, you know, having a 100% gloomy attitude. But you kind of see the ball get rolling tonight, and hopefully it's something that continues going Hopefully. And, you know, our, our, our prediction here now, I think I've seen the game against the Rangers, and tonight, I think now, goaltender, stay with Stuart Skinner. Stick with Stuart now. Stick with Stuart. You're 100% right. He's gotten rolling. He's been really good in his past couple games. I believe he's on a streak of above 900 saves. Yes, so that's a way more than we could ask for. And, you know, when you do have a game that you eventually falter, you go back to Soup and you hope that he can put up a, a save percentage above 900. And if he can, you keep rolling with him. And you just constantly have that going back and forth all year. Obviously, like, the dream for me would still be, you know, make a trade for UC Soros or whatever. <laughs> you know, whatever. But... It's probably not going to happen. It's funny because UC Soros every year is a, has like a 922 save percentage, and he ends up getting, he gets pulled as he lets five goals on 15 shots and right. gets the Oilers three times a year. But five goals and 15 shots from me on drive side. Yeah, you know, three times a year. Yeah. I mean, looking at goaltenders as well, let's talk about Jacob Markstrom for a little bit. Because yeah, yeah, finally someone who played well. Yeah, let's do it. He the broken man against Edmonton. He's broken. I thought he played well, though. I thought he was just like, I mean, Solid in five, but I guess technically four. But no, like I, I thought he was their best player tonight. It was the rest of the team around him that broke Nobody against sure Edmonton. Up. Nobody showed. Sure. No, D defensively this team was not very good. Um, I mean neither offensively, but no, like the the numbers against Edmonton aren't great. So like absolutely the benefit of the doubt has not been earned by this goalie against Edmonton. But I, I thought he was Calgary's best player tonight, um, and kind of has been all season long, even though the stats don't really back it up. What's the deal with Chris Tanev? Has he been good this season? I think he's been fine. I don't think he's been... He's definitely not the worst blue liner that the Flames have deployed this season. Uh, cough, cough 55, who is checked out and has been checked out since the preseason. Uh, yet they're going to give him an extension by some miracle, even though he doesn't want to be there. Um, but yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think Tanev's been bad at all. I think he's actually been one of their better uh, defenders this year. Yeah, you don't notice him a lot, which is kind of the role he's supposed to play. So yeah, like he, he has been fine, but... The whole team, they're trying, like, a lot like what's going on at Edmonton. They're trying a new defensive system, yeah. which apparently for the first nine games has been, let teams get 40 shots on goal, um, which wouldn't be what I would pick. But that, that's kind of how they've been rolling so far. So I, I think it's been an adjustment for everyone, but I think he is he has played the role of Chris Tanev fine. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I noticed Chris Tanev when he got crushed by Evander Kane. Jesus. I knew that was coming. <laughs> but I was going to be... Yeah, the, the other thing with Chris Tanner, the reason why I'm asking, I don't think they would even make a deal with the Oilers, but, like, the Oilers are looking for a top a top four right shot defenseman kind of in the Chris Tanner mold, and I don't think you guys are going to be in it. I know the Oilers, both teams only have two wins, but if we're thinking about who's going to be in it, you know, come March at the trade deadline, I think that's guy, if the Flames were to make a deal, that the Oilers would be super, super, super interested. Like, that's a guy that could make Darnell Nurse just go, Terrible. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that, yeah, that's why I asked. Well, he, he'd be a good fit for Edmonton because anyone he plays with gets better. Like, it took Vancouver a while to figure out Quinn Hughes after Tanev. And in Calgary, Hannafin's best year was with Tanev. 
Um, Anderson's best year was with Tanev. Shillington's best year was with Tanev. He is someone who you can build a defense around. And, like, there's a reason why Solovyov is playing with him um, to start with is because he is someone who elevates guys. So, no, he would be great. And, look, I know, like, it was an attempt to trash talk by a team that's 2-5-1. and one, But it, it's... <laughs> The Flames should be making those moves. They, they should. 100%. They should trade Tanev. They should trade Hannafin. They should trade Lindholm. They should have traded Backlund. They should. Markstrom. Like, just anything not stapled to the ground should be traded by the Flames. But that is not the direction of this team and has never been the direction of this team. And it won't be the direction of this team. So they will probably try to sign him to an extension that will make all of us feel a great deal of pain. Mm -hmm. But no, like, he should be a future first-round pick for the Calgary Flames of some sort because this should be... I think it's very obvious this team isn't good enough and they should be rebuilding. It's funny. You, you, you talked about the Flames kind of implementing a new defensive system this year, and we, we, one of the big talking points for Edmonton Oilers fans this year has been that new box-and-one zone defense that they're trying to play this year obviously has not worked out they were they'll go periods against minnesota new york whatever where they bleed 20 shots high danger shots right in the slot and they're leaving their goalie hanging them out to dry obviously and that hasn't been the whole story but this seems this seems like it's the first game where they put together a full 100 percent defensive effort where they yes. didn't bleed anything now the offensive talent on the flames is not like that of um, a New York, the New York Rangers, or even even the Minnesota Wild. And then Marcus Foligno, I'd probably be one of the best forwards on the Flames, to be honest with you. But <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I can't I wait can't for Zach to be just right back, knocked down to what he was like two days ago after the Oilers lose their next, next two games. If they lose to the Blues, it'll be we're missing the playoffs. Macklin Celebrini's like second line center next year. Yeah. Um. No, so I actually I wanted to transition into something that you guys brought up. Obviously, the three of you were there. Peter and I were stuck, not stuck. This is a great shout out to the Pines. <laughs> I didn't mean to say stuck. Uh, I would actually rather, maybe rather be here based on what a uh, couple of comments from you guys. I wanted to get the, like, I've never been to an outdoor game. I don't know if you? No. No. Not missing out. Yeah, so uh, you guys had some pretty interesting comments. Obviously, Avery, you had a bit of a different vantage point than, uh, than these two peasants. But, um... It'd tell us about how it was because yeah it's definitely a different experience and you know you guys you guys definitely had some uh, some comments about uh, your experience at Commonwealth tonight yeah I'll start by because I was kind of at the uh, lower bowl area and it, when you're at that altitude it's not like your typical arena right like this is a, a situation where the rink is way deep into the middle of center field and when you are that low to the altitude there's literally nothing you can do to see the play on the ice the only way to get any sort of semblance of what was happening out there was to look at the monitors and the jumbotron was not the best like let's be honest I was so far away i couldn't see the jumbotron i couldn't see what was going on on the ice you see a little bit here a little bit there like i felt i don't know if you're familiar with the sound of it i would every day of the week choose to sit in press level 10 over sitting in the <laughs> in, sitting at the where i was and i was in the lower bowl too like you, i thought it was going to be good and the vibes were cool like i think the idea of an outdoor game is awesome but when you're there and it's even minus two and you're not moving and you're freezing cold and you're just like okay you're looking at the clock here 10 minutes left in the third like let's finish this i just want to get to the point where it's warm. yeah that's like, that's I, how I, we I felt care. just because we were watching the flames but <laughs> <laughs> but like it, overall like i i just thought like the vi the visibility point like it was really hard to see anything that happened on the ice and 
to, to, you know, to make matters worse, like, I left my seat with, like, a minute and a half left in the first period to go meet you guys under the Jumbotron to take yeah. a picture for Game Over Edmonton. I don't know why you picked the farthest place from the press box possible. <laughs> no, he's literally <laughs> turning on each the other. This is going side exactly of the arena from him. him. And How so far for you. Okay, so first of all, my thinking was, okay, you guys are new, are new to Jumbotron. That was my thinking. You guys are new to Jumbotron. I'll go where you guys are. But also, too, the concourse tonight was a disaster. I got stuck there. I got crushed by, like, a thousand people trying to meet these two because the concourse was just clogged. It was horrible for getting around, and I think I do, and and I think it's a bad look as well. They have, you know, Heritage Classic in Edmonton, and fans can't move in intermission. I thought it was a really bad look as well. Like the sad, I I wish to be in the Saddledome Concourse in intermission when I was walking around the Commonwealth Stadium. You, you, like, you don't hear that too often. You couldn't like you could not move unless you were actively pushing people, like not even lightly. Like you need to be like it was an like Oklahoma two, like <laughs> two hands shove. Literally, it was tough. Well, and. I, I hate to rag on event staff because they, they're doing their job as best as they can. But let's be honest, they weren't, there were no ushers really. People were moving around during play. Like the, the aisles should be clear. It's a, it's a hazard essentially when it's the one minute left in the period. Everyone's trying to go to concessions, trying to go score some merch, trying to get pictures with Avery. Like no matter what it would be. There was no part of the venue where you could walk freely. Part of it was there. Maybe it's just because it wasn't built for this volume of people to be moving at the same time. But when you're when you're there, we were just trying to go to the bathroom. Zach and I were just saying there was no chance you were going to make it there and out of the bathroom line in 10 minutes. I looked at a guy in the bathroom line. I was like, I would rather piss my pants than wait in this line. <laughs> And, and I just and I literally <laughs> held it until I got to the pint. And I don't know if it's TMI or whatever. You didn't pee but, in the sink, did you? No, no, no. I, I, didn't. I don't want you peeing in those No, things. no, no. I, I didn't do that, but like, I'm going to sound like Larry David here, but there was just no game etiquette whatsoever. No game etiquette. Ugh. It was unbelievable. But you know what? It, it was a great time. Like, the yeah. event was really, really cool. I, honestly, it's more for the players than anything, I feel like. And I think they were really happy watching them celebrate on the ice was awesome to see, especially seeing after such a tough start, seeing them get back on the tracks, seeing DeHarnay and Stu hug at the end of the yeah. game, seeing McDavid do all the different interviews and whatnot. It was really nice to see. It was really cool. Nickelback was very, a lot shorter than I thought it would be, to be yeah. honest, too. But um, they, they were really cool. I felt a little bad for them, too, because like it was so cold that like it, it felt like no one could even get into the songs. Like, they brought out a mosh pit. <laughs> And it was the weakest mosh pit I've ever seen in my life. You could go in there with a carton of 48 eggs, walk directly through the mosh pit, and not a single egg would be done. Hold <laughs> right. Like, yeah. here's the thing, though. Half of that mosh pit was CFB Edmonton. Like, they were clearly there to keep order. And when you're, when you're at a mosh pit full of military guys, do you really want to be throwing elbows? Like, let's be honest. No, I'd be a bad idea. But I want, one funny thing, too. In the press box during the back, they dimmed the lights in the press box. Oh. I thought it was very weird. They really, they, 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 they really wanted the to set the mood. Bob. <laughs> Does no back have any slow songs? Yeah, I guess they got a couple. Yeah, they wanted to set the mood. They just wanted to, you know, get some dancing going. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, hey, it makes me feel a little bit better that I was here enjoying some great company, some great food, some great drinks here at the Pint off White Avenue. Um, everybody's just kind of 
mingling. I was gonna say we could get a round of applause, maybe, but I don't. I don't think anybody's. Everybody's too too. Yeah, yeah, it's too hard to hear. But um, a huge shout out to them uh, for letting us be here and doing this live. This has been awesome. Um, and also to our friends, obviously, here at Temperance Spirits. We've been enjoying some Temperance, uh, some of their products here uh, throughout the night. So be sure to uh, to uh, to check them out. And a huge thank you to them. They're over here as well, uh, providing us with all these goods, uh, all these goodies. So um, we're gonna transition into the presser. It's a live presser. Um, I think, I think we're probably, probably going to just have to read from the chat for now. Um, yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna pull some pull some uh, uh, some some questions from the chat. We probably should have given everybody a bit of a forewarning uh, if you're watching live that uh, that we're gonna be doing this. But but Dennis Dennis is on it right now. He's he's. I mean, there there's a couple of general questions. I think you guys have probably answered them before in the past. But like Peter, Audi, you've watched this Flames team for all of last season, part of this season, like. Yes. Yeah, far too long, actually. <laughs> what, what is the fix? Because I'm sure Flames Nation out there really, really wants you to tell them. What is the fix if you guys were the, were the DM? I, I'm going to let this uh, very loaded and heavy question that probably requires too much length for us to uh, even be live go to you. Well, I mean, it's a simple answer, and it's change everything. It is kind of like, but no, like, honestly, like, this is a team that since 2004 has been celebrating mediocrity, and it has just been, just to get into the playoffs has been the mantra, which leads to Owen Nolan and Ole Jokinen and all of those guys being brought in. And that's what led to, instead of understanding you probably need to go in another direction when Gaudreau and Kachuk wanted out of town, they try to keep the like keep things going a little bit with maybe misunderstanding what made Jonathan Huberto so good in Florida, um, and maybe overestimating what Nazem Kadri was going to be post Colorado. And now you're stuck with a team that has a lot of older players on longer term deals, and they're looking to add more older players on longer term deals with Hannafin and Lindholm. And I mean, there's a follow up question here from Marianne L. Thank you for the question. This is what the situation, right? You had to trade away Sean Monaghan in order to make this happen. And right now, he has more points than Kadri and Huberto combined. Like, you had to give up a first-round pick for that to happen. How does that make you guys feel? This is the opposite of that Simpsons episode. Your campaign has the strength of a runaway train. This is like, your, your team is everything like yeah. a dumpster fire. How do you, thoughts? Um, but no, like, it, it, is, it is a full systemic thing. And, the, like, the honest thing is, we were talking about this before the game. How many team situations would you trade the Flames with? And it's like I would take I would take the Flames over San Jose comfortably, probably Washington, and then the rest of the league you have to kind of think about. And that's that's just where the Flames are at right now. So the quick fix isn't there. You're There's hoping no, no, you're you're hoping and sorry that I'm rambling no, here. No, no, no. Um you're hoping that the energy Ruzichka can bring when he comes back will help. You're hoping that the energy Pelche can bring can help. Because right now they are lifeless. They are dead. There's just nothing with this group. And so you you're hoping that there's an infusion of youth. But um Corey Pronman did his five year outlook from the athletic. The Flames top line, according to Corey, in five years is Huberto X and X. Maybe maybe there's another Peter. Yeah, yeah. Somebody somebody was just hollering at you. <laughs> hey Peter. It's not the first time someone's yelled at in a bar that I've been at. So I was <laughs> Yeah, there's like like Peter said, he pretty much hit the nail on the head. There's no quick and simple fix. For me it's tear it down and, and I'm I think for you it's the same, but um we all, we, yeah. I, I actually yeah, the best quote was when I was actually when I saw Nickelback was uh Right before they played Burn It to the Ground, they said, well, it was in, it was in uh, response to the arena, but it could 
apply to the to the flames as well but um he's uh, chad kroger says since you guys want a new building so bad why don't you say we burn this fucker to the ground and that could be applied for both the saddle dome and uh and uh the, the calgary flames roster so I have, a, I have a question. I have a question. This, and this might be, I don't know if this may, if this makes sense. If the flame, if Murray Edwards decides to stick to the guns that he's doing, and it's, we're going to add at the deadline again, we're going to bring in Michael Stone again. I don't know. But, but like, if there is no, we are going to tear it down and rebuild. Is there any way that the flames can ice a competitive team? Or is it just going to be like your decade of darkness? Man. You kind of like you need everyone to get back to being the peak version of themselves, right? Like you need 115 point Huberto and 82 point Kadri and Lindholm to be what we all kind of think he can be. And then Zari needs to reach a level that most don't think he can get to. Like there is a path to it, but it's just it takes best case scenario from everybody. Yeah, it's a. Uh... It's yeah, pretty pretty much exactly what Peter said. It's 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 not a quick and easy fix. We got we got some heckling going on. I'm surprised it I'm surprised it took this long. Um, I'm surprised it took this long to get to us. That's why we're not wearing jerseys. Uh, Dennis is obviously uh, not brave enough because they won, but uh, the only one representing the uh, the Oilers here. But yeah, the the quick and uh, the meat and potatoes of it is uh, I I don't think it. it I don't think it's as likely as uh, as some people might think. Any Oilers questions? We do have one. Uh, I missed the name, but uh, the, essentially the question was, Bouchard was really good tonight. And we've had scenes like this. This year, Bouchard has given away some real pizzas. And at the same time, he scored like two goal games. He's done amazingly on the offensive side. But when you looked at this game, does it? feel like a turning point for Bouchard. Okay, so for Evan Bouchard, I just want to say, he's been screwed by on-ice save percentage. You've seen the similar giveaways by players like Warren Fogle, by yeah. players like Brett Kulak, Vincent Dernay, Philip Broberg, where he gets his ankles broken by, uh, I don't know, some bum on the Rangers. And, and, and those don't result in goals in the back of that. It felt like earlier in the year, whenever Evan Bouchard even just had this semblance of the smallest little miscalculation, whether he's not tough enough on the wall, if he did lose a board battle, Every single time it ended up in the back of the net. His, his individual PDO was not good. It, it was it was not there. He was getting PDO to hell essentially. Evan Bouchard, even when he put you know allowed three goals while he was on the ice, was still creating you know multiple goals, multiple opportunities for the Oilers. He was one of the few players when McDavid was out who was creating offensively for them yeah. from, from the blue line, right? So you're just seeing a little bit of the luck turn. I think that's all it is for Evan Bouchard. I think he's always been there this season. Yeah, I've been. And it's funny, Doc. Whenever we do a post-game show or I see on Twitter, I always see a bunch of, ah, trade Bouchard. He's a bum. For who and for what? Like, good team don't trade Evan Bouchard away. They fought out dope. It's like, it, it's silly. Like, this is the kind of guy you help build your team around the back end. And you want to trade him? Well, like, you elude that trade every single day of the week. You don't trade players like Evan Bouchard. Tenth overall, right shot defenseman, six foot two. It's easily capable of being a point per game. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, no, you don't trade those guys. Speaking of trades, we're going to do one last question. Thank you guys so much for being here, guys and gals. Uh, we, we have a two-parter question from Luke and also Al. So first off, the Oilers side of the question. Will the Oilers go into this last bit of the season with soup and stew? Because that's that's... Let's be honest, not the ideal situation in net. And for the Calgary part of the question, 
Campbell for Markstrom. What's it going to take to make it work? <laughs> no, they're going to go with stupid Stu. It's it's just it, it, like you can I can dream and wish for UC Soros or Martin Jones even some days I find myself wishing for stuff that's not even you know not safe for work. But um yeah, they're, they're, it's gonna be soup and stew. You just have to hope that event essentially they put up a nine oh one or above. That's literally it. The the question was Campbell for Markstrom. I mean, how many firsts you got? <laughs> that's it. Yeah, I, I think the Flames probably hang up the phone there. Um, Looking at Campbell's cap for the year. Oh, God. <laughs> three more years left after this season. Oh, no. Yeah, no. No, 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 no. No. That, that is a first and. Like, <laughs> it would take a lot. Um, especially now that Markstrom's kind of back on track. Yeah, no, it'd be bad. Yeah, he's, he's back. Just everybody else never really got there. So, um, no, that was great. That was, uh, thank you guys for the questions. Um it's been a lot of fun. I don't know. I, I, I'm speaking on behalf of all five of us here, but uh, this miserable time. Yeah. Okay. Aside from having to come on here and talk about what we saw, the whole thing has been great. Yeah. We, we thank you to. I know we've said it countless times. Thank you to our friends here at the Pint for uh, for making this all happen. Thank you to. Uh, you can't see him. Andrew Berkshire is here as well from Game Over Montreal, and our uh, our fearless leader Andrew's here as well. So huge thanks to him for getting all this set up and getting us out here. Um, Thank you to his parents for housing him while he's here. Thank you to everybody who showed up. This is great. The Flames Flames are well represented over here. Unfortunately, they weren't represented at all on the ice tonight. Um, but this best case scenario for me. Yeah, yeah, best case scenario for Zach, and then he'll be back to bitching and moaning on the next game over Edmonton. So, uh, so just, just, just you, just you wait, Edmonton fans. Um, and of course, as always, thank you to our friends over at Temperance Spirits for uh, for all of the uh, the amazing cocktails and mocktails to that margarita i was supposed to wait for it to be on here but i could not stop yeah yeah he said i i asked them i said can i crack one now and they're like yeah this is the blonde um and i've i've i i can't stop drinking them but this is it's great that's that's the whole point of this but uh yeah thank you to everybody who watched thanks to everybody who was here for the live event this has been game over edmonton game over calgary live from the pint on white ave We'll see you guys uh, on your next Game Over Calgary and Game Over Edmonton streams here. Game Over Edmonton, season over Calgary. <laughs> <laughs> season over Calgary uh, on SDPN Sports.